0: Greetings in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ family. I am so blessed to share this message with you. I've shared it on Facebook, but you know that I like to do the deeper teaching of the word when I share the different teachings with you. And therefore I'm sending you this message because my heart is filled with joy this morning. And um, I thank God that each and every one of you all that connected on Dr. Darren's um, program yesterday. Praise God. I thank you all for for being a part of that. I believe that God is God is, God is, is going to do great things. I believe that with all my heart, we're going to be back at church very soon because God is going to do great things and has already done great things. For He has done great things, sings the Psalmist. I would like to take this opportunity to greet you all in this time where we are living right now, time of uncertainty, times of great uncertainty. But one thing that we as believers can be certain about is our eternal destination. That's why I'm bringing this message. And I pray that you will even share it with family members and friends because it's a very important message in the time in which we are living. And so I pray that as today you receive this word, that it will be an encouragement to you and you will encourage other believers with this particular word. We can open up in prayer. Father, today we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it will not return unto your void. We thank you, Father God, that your word will come to pass. Your word is a blessing unto us and your word is what sustains us during this time and during this season. So as we focus on you, Lord, and as we look to you continuously in this season, may your hand be upon each and every one of us and may you keep us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah and amen. We're gonna look at the book of 2 Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 4 and we're going to look at verse 6 to 8. So we understand that Timothy Paul is writing to, to Timothy, the young the young apostle, the young man of God that Paul is, has raised up and he's encouraging Timothy because Timothy is facing many difficult times and Timothy is facing hardships and Timothy is going through tough times as a young leader. And Paul is encouraging this man. And it's so amazing how Paul is such a great encouragement. Even in the time of his most difficult crisis, Paul knew how to lift up other people. And I love this about Paul. And I, I think this is a lesson for each and every one of us. That no matter what we are going through, we should always lift up somebody else. Always be an encouragement to somebody else. Always be a motivator to somebody else. Always remember Life is not all about being self-centered. It's about God-centered. When we are God-centered, we will focus on those things that pleases the Heavenly Father. And so today, when we look at the book of 2 Timothy 4, verse 6-8, to 8, we know that in this Paul book, Paul teaches Timothy about being steadfast in Christ. And how does he teach Timothy to be steadfast in Christ? He teaches Timothy to be steadfast in Christ by holding fast the pattern of sound words which he received in Christ Jesus. And this is through 2 Timothy 1 verse 13 was to hold fast onto these sound words. So Paul knew that difficult times would come to Timothy, but Timothy needed to hold on to the word. And throughout this book, we find Paul encouraging Timothy how to continuously overcome certain things by having his faith firmly rooted in the word of God. And we see through the four chapters, Paul says, Hold fast to sound words. Chapter 2, Paul says, be diligent in the true word. Chapter 3, Paul says, continue in the holy word. Chapter 4, Paul says, preach the only word. And that is what he encourages the church with. Preach the only word. And this is what Paul's motivation was to the church of his time. This is what Paul encouraged the people about. And this is what Paul motivated the people about. And this is amazing and how Paul built up the people and encouraged Timothy to have his focus in the word. You see that one thing that I've learned through Paul's teachings is that the word of God was central to Paul. Paul believed in the word of God, he yelled true to the promises of God. He believed what God said is what settled it. There's nothing else. So he then had this faith, and he wanted Timothy to anchor his faith in the word of God today we have many we have many um false teachings and many things that people are introducing into the church and heresies and all of those type of things but how will you know it's heresy how will you know it's false if you are not rooted and grounded in the scriptures so we need to understand this. We're not rooted and grounded in the scriptures. We will then be moved by every wind of doctrine. My brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you. Do not be distracted. Do not find yourself looking at anything else but the word of God. Let your hope be rooted in the promises. Let your hope be rooted in the word of God. Hold on to Jesus. In this hour, hold on to his promises. Know what the word of God says concerning your life. COVID cannot dictate to us, sickness cannot dictate to us. Nothing can dictate to us. What is important is that what the God's what the word of God says, because the Bible says this word is true. Hallelujah. This word is Truth. So when we look at the life of, of Paul, and we see that he encourages Timothy and told, told Timothy how to overcome certain things, how to have victory over certain things. And he wants to know he is now at the end of his life. Paul is at the end of his life right now. Paul knows that this is the final bond voyage. He's about to go to his eternal home. And so Paul is preparing Timothy for this departure of his. But Paul is Encouraging Timothy how to remain in the word of the Lord, even in the toughest of seasons. Paul said to Timothy, you know, Timothy, the last days, there will be perilous times. There will be difficulties. There will be great difficulties. But my son, hold on to the word. As a pastor, that is what I want to encourage you. Right now, your focus should not be to the north, the south, the east, or the west. Your focus should be in Jesus Christ. Have your focus in the word. Remain in the word. Today, we're going to speak about running my race and finishing it running my race and finishing it. That is what I want to speak about. I'm going to run my race and I'm going to finish it. We go to the book of 2 Timothy 4, verse 6 to 8. As for me, Paul writes this, As for me, my life has already been poured out as a drink offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward for his appearing. Hallelujah. So an amazing scripture. Paul is full of faith. Paul is confident. Paul knows. He wrote to Corinthians, death wears your sting? He wrote the victory that Jesus has won through the cross of Calvary. He has, he, he, many scholars believe that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. He spoke about how death was defeated. Here Paul is now knowing through his revelations to his preachings, he is now living in his final moments of his life. Any day Nero is going to call from him and remove his head. But here Paul is a man full of faith. Paul knows his eternal home is secured. My question today is, when you close your eyes, are you assured where you're going to wake up? Are you for certain that you're going to spend eternity with God? Remember, this eternity can only be experienced through you being born again. If you are not born again, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. Remember this, if you're not born again, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. Corey Ten Boom, a writer wrote this, a preacher, a woman, evangelist, a Jewish evangelist, she wrote this, If you look at the world, you will be distressed. If you look within, you will be depressed. But if you look to God, you will be at rest. Let's go again through it. If you look at the world, you will be distressed. If you look within, you will be depressed. But if you look at God, you will be at rest. Hallelujah. So Paul, knowing that he he has faithfully carried out the work of God that God entrusted him with, Paul now faces execution, death, with confidence. He looks beyond death to the full enjoyment of his salvation that he will experience, hallelujah, with our Lord Jesus Christ. Because the love of Christ is what controlled Paul to live the way He lived. I pray today that the love of Christ will control your life. In Jesus name. We're going to look at three things that we're going to touch on in this teaching and we're going to look at how Paul looked at his life at the end. The first thing that Paul did was Paul looked around him. The next thing Paul did was Paul looked back to the past. And the next thing Paul did was Paul looked ahead to the future. So these things we're going to touch on in this teaching today. And I pray that it will richly bless you, enhance you, and you will grow from glory to glory. Max Lucado said this, not only is death inevitable, but death is necessary for us to inherit the new life we are to enjoy in Christ. Either with the rapture or like Enoch or Elijah moment you will not taste death. But one thing is for certain, each and every one of us that will not have those experiences or before the rapture will die. And the only way to experience this, life is through death. Only way to experience this life is through death. Some time ago I preached on the seven wonders of heaven. And I said that to go to heaven, you must die. You have to die. Or like I say again, you must have an Enoch experience. You must have an Elijah experience. With fiery chariots come and fetch you. Or like Enoch, you will be no more. So remember this. So Paul now came to this place where he realized that life is short. He's not life is short. His time is short. He doesn't have much time left. And he's writing to this young man, Timothy, to build this young man up and to encourage Timothy. And he's telling Timothy, you know, Timothy, I have done what I'm supposed to do. I have now poured out my life as an offering. My time for death is near. I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished my race. I remain faithful. And now my prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give me at his return. Hallelujah. And this prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly await him. So this prize, Paul is speaking about the crown, is surely going to be at the judgment seat of Christ for every believer. Now there's the white throne judgment and at the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ, we, those who are born again as we are, will receive rewards for what we have done in the earth. And then there are those on the judge, the white throne judgment, they will then be condemned to eternal yaw. So the Bible warns us about this already in advance. So Paul is now on trial in Rome and has just experienced his first hearing with Nero possibly. And Paul has been in prison several times. But now Paul knows that this time it's the last, it's final. I'm sure God must have witnessed to Paul that it is his time to go. Because that's why Paul now knew his time was coming to a close. I heard a story about a man called Benson Adiosa and, he, and I, I was quite shocked about a week ago I read this article on Benson Adiosa. He was busy with the crusade in another nation and his mother died. And they called Benson Adiosa to say, your mother has passed away. And Benson Adiosa wrote this back, he said to them, God didn't speak to me about it, so my mother shall live. When I return after my crusade, I will I will pray for my mother and she will rise from the dead. For 10 days, they left his mother to lay in his bed because he said to the people, put my mother in my bed. And the people said, but your bed is going to sting because your mother's body is going to decompose. Ben Saladiosa said, put her in my bed, it's my bed, if it stings, it stings. And they left the mother in his room for 10 days. And after 10 days, he came back and said, because God did not tell him that his mother was going to die, he's now going to raise her from the dead. And yes, he did raise her from the dead. What is my What am I trying to say? Paul must have had the witness in him that it is his time to go. Many that has died before in Christ, many has known that is their time. Kenneth Egan asked his wife to prepare his very last meal, something that he really liked. And after he ate his meal, he bowed his head, went to be with the Lord. I never read read it about another great man of God that went to the kitchen, saw his wife busy preparing the food, and he said to his wife, they're coming to get me, they're coming to get me. His wife thought he was maybe losing his mind because he's an old man, but later as he he went to go and sit in his favorite chair in the dining room, he said to his wife, here they are, here they are. I'm going now. He bowed his head to be with the Lord. So I believe that many people know about the coming, when or when they're gonna go to be with the Lord. Therefore I believe death is certain for us to pass to the next life. It is certain. So Paul knew that his end was near. But the amazing thing about Paul is Paul didn't fear. Paul was, had peace because he knew what he was going to the question again is do you know where you're going to end up are you assured of your eternity do you know where you're going to spend the rest of eternity heaven and yow is a reality and we need to get our hearts ready to meet our maker Paul used two different words for the word, two words in this verse 6. He used the words offer and departure. And this tells tells us of his faith and his confidence that Paul had. The first word Paul used was offered. Offered means poured out on the altar as a drink offering. And Paul used the same picture in the book of Philippians 2, verse 7 and 8, when he spoke about Jesus. Paul was saying, Caesar's not going to kill me. I'm going to give my life as a sacrifice to Jesus. It's not going to be taken from me. I'm giving it as a sacrifice. Drink offerings were usually offered up with offerings in the Old Testament. It was part of the offerings in the Old Testament. And your Paul is saying, listen, I am offering up my life. Caesar might be the one taking my life or or cutting off my head, but I am offering it. It's not been taken away from me. I am offering up my life. Paul has been living his life as a living sacrifice. Hallelujah. Paul served God with everything since the day he got saved. And Paul just had one desire and that was to please the heavenly father. That's why at the end of his life, he knew that heaven had much in store for him. On earth, Paul experienced nakedness, without clothing, imprisonment, without food, without nothing. Many trials, many tribulations. But now this very same apostle was ready to go to an eternity that he knew. No more dying, no more crying, no more sorrow no more pain, no hospitals, no prisons, no Nero's, no no wicked leaders, only God, Jesus Christ, all the saints that has made it to the other side. So Paul has been expectant, Paul has been preparing himself for this great moment. Usually when somebody leaves or, or arrives, but usually when somebody important leaves. There's usually a a, a, a crowd of people cheering him on as the boat sets sail. Although Paul did not have a crowd that was busy in the natural cheering him on as he was departing. But the book of Hebrews says that we have a crowd of witnesses and Paul must have in the spirit heard as, as my grandmother heard this song when she went to be with the Lord, she heard the song that said, me yira, lay me. Lay me na divater's She heard that song. So Paul must have heard the crowds in heaven cheering him on not to give up at this final moment, this final junction in his life, but to continue and to continue strong and finish his cause. My God! Hallelujah! Then Paul uses the word departure. And this is also another beautiful word with great insight and description. Departure means to take up your anchor, to waste up the anchor of a ship and to set sail. So Paul looked at his death as being released from this world, and an opportunity to set sail into eternity. Oh, Rabba Boshaya. Hey, hallelujah. A Chinese missionary came back one day from the mission field after he has done everything, gave up everything, served his time as a missionary. When he returned back to his homeland, he was on the same boat as the president. And as he was, as they arrived at the dock, there was music and people welcoming the president. And here this missionary felt so disheartened and so discouraged because he thought that, listen, that I gave up my life for this gospel and for this cause, but nobody's here to expect me. And in his spirit, that moment, he had a witness that said to him, Santa. You're not home yet. You're not home yet. But here Paul says, you know, my departure is at hand. I am wasting up the anchor and I'm ready now to set sail off into eternity. Oh, glory be to God. So many saints has lost their lives in this pandemic. So many pastors and deacons and elders and apostles lost their lives. But one thing I can say to you, As they died in Christ, the promise of the word of God is, those who are absent from the body is present with the Lord. Many of them are saying, yes, we might have lost out on something here on the earth, or some short life, or something that they maybe didn't experience. But one thing, when they entered the pearly gates of heaven, their hearts were filled with joy, peace, and the Holy Ghost. They had a foretaste of the Holy Ghost on this earth, but when they set sail into eternity, Hallelujah. The crowds and the witnesses and the people, I'm sure that they have impacted the angels of heaven. I don't know what the welcoming what the welcoming party is going to do when we enter through the pearly gates. But one thing I know, the Bible already says for one soul that comes to repentance, heaven rejoices. So I'm sure that the Bible says precious in the death of the eyes of the Lord are his angels children. So I'm looking at this and thinking when we entered the pearly gates, I'm just trying to picture this because it builds an excitement in me ready to meet my master and my maker. Here the people are that you have led to the Lord, the people's lives you have impacted. They are waiting for you. They are singing praises because God, Some, some, the child, one of God's children has just come home. Glory be to God. Many people that had encounters in heaven never wanted to return they just wanted to stay there many people that had near-death experiences said we're not going back because here is where we find the peace that we've been looking for in the earth i'm encouraging somebody today do not make this earth your home heaven is your home hallelujah so paul uses this and then paul also uses another word which means tent to take down a tent to take down a tent. Paul compared the death of believers to taking down of a tent in order to receive a glorified body, a permanent glorified body. You are taking this tent. You're going to put down this tent. It's like at the camp. When they put down the tent, they pack it up, they go back to their destination. But Paul is saying, listen, this tent is going to be put down. But then you're going to put on your eternal tent that will never waste away the glorified body which you're going to be with God forever and ever and ever. Another description that Paul was using was the unyoking of an ox. Paul had been in the service of God for many years as a laborer. Now Paul is saying his master is going to unyoke him and promote him to a higher service. Oh, glory to Jesus. I'm so excited when I think about what Paul has been through, what he's writing about. I am so expectant. A man of God died about two weeks ago, and I heard this message of this man of God. He preached a message, said, I am ready to die for Jesus. I am ready to go. He sent somebody a message and said, I am ready to meet my maker. That is the confidence some of us need to have. We do not have to fear death, children of God. We should have confidence that we're going to be with the master, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. Earth is not our throne. The next thing that Paul did was he looked back. So Paul summed up now his life and his ministry. Hallelujah. And what does Paul use? Is two, he uses several images. He used the image of an athletic person. He uses the image of a wrestler or a boxer, and Paul says, "Now I have fought the good fight of faith, <laughs> like a wrestler or boxer. Hallelujah! I have run my race like that athlete that runs to finish the course. Hallelujah! I have run. I have finished my long life race victoriously. In the eyes of the sinners, Paul died as a one who committed a crime." But in the eyes of God, Paul fulfilled his assignment. What do people see the day they lower our our coffin? Many might rejoice about your good life. Many might speak about the things that you did. But the most important thing that you needed to do was fulfill what God has called you to do. What I'm saying today is not that everybody's a preacher, not that everybody's going to have a church, not everybody's going to be in a fivefold ministry, but what has God called you to do? Have you been found faithful in that which God has called you to do? I remember a book that somebody wrote on Driven by Eternity, the author John Bevere, and he said there was this line in heaven, And he was picturing this line in heaven or he had an encounter or something and he said that people were standing in this line and people were, were going and they were receiving the rewards for what they have done. And then as they went and some people received mega crowns because they won thousands of souls to the Lord there was this one lady she became when she came to the front of the line she was so discouraged because she thought you know all that i did was i just fed my family i just looked after my family i just served my family and these back guys are getting all those rewards and as she approached the stand and the lord was ready to reward her she already confessed you know i haven't won so much souls like these people i haven't done this i haven't done that but then the lord said to her you know what you have loved your children That was your calling. You served your children. You have been there for your children. And look at the result of your children today because you fulfilled your call. And that woman received a reward because she did what God wanted her to do. What is God telling you to do? Are you fulfilling the purpose to which God has called you? Paul says, I've run this race. I'm not gonna be disqualified. I have kept the faith. I have done what I supposed to do, Paul was confident that he now was to receive the prize that so long awaited him, that which he was looking for or looking to in eternity. He was now so expectant for life after death because he was going to do, because listen to what the Bible says. One of my favorite scriptures in the book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it to finish the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. This was Paul's assignment. But he said, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it to finish the work to which I have been called. That's how Paul saw his life. It was worth nothing if he didn't do what Jesus called him to do. Church, we need to rise up. We need to run the race. We need to finish our course in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. The next image that Paul uses is that of a steward who had been faithfully guarding his master's deposit box. Paul says, I have kept the faith. I have guarded my faith. Hallelujah. I've guarded my faith. I've kept the faith until the end. I have not given up. I have not thrown in the towel, but I've kept my faith. Paul was looking back at his life without regrets. Man of God always used to say this. He said, the biggest thing that's going to be in heaven for those who have made it is regret. Because for some who has not lived their lives to the full potential, but just lived to make it to heaven, is going to come into heaven with great regrets. But here Paul says, my life was useless if I did not live it for Jesus. Now I am ready to be promoted to the next life. Now I'm ready to go on to spend, to be in eternity with my maker. Hallelujah. Paul was not always the popular one. Paul was not always living the comfortable life. But Paul remained faithful. And what that is what counted. The last thing that Paul did was, Paul looked ahead. Hallelujah. Paul looked ahead as an athlete that wins his reward in a race. The crowd cheering on, he goes and mounts the podium and he receives in those days, they used to receive a wreath on the head. This wreath on the head was like a flower wreath garland that was nicely put together to put on the winner's head. But Paul says, listen, I'm about to receive my crown. The word crown here means Stephanos the victor's crown. Hallelujah. And here we get the name from Stephen, from this word. And here Paul was not saying, I'm going to get the victor's crown. I'm going to get the crown that showed I have run my race faithfully. I have finished my course. Paul knew that the crown that he was received was not a fading one that would fade away, but his crown would be a never fading one. It will be an eternal crown that he would receive. And Paul knew that he was done in or he was lied upon or he was treated unfairly by the worldly judges mirrored him and many others that put him in prison. But now he says, I'm going to stand before the righteous judge, the one who judges righteously. Hallelujah. Paul knew that now he's going to stand between before the righteous one who's going to judge him righteously. The judges in Rome, they were not righteous because if they were, they would release Paul, but they were not righteous judges. And Paul Paul had tried many a times in the different courts, one after the other, to be set free, but they would not let him go. But now Paul was to face the righteous judge, Jesus Christ. Are you ready to face the righteous judge? Don't let anybody tell you, you don't need to be born again to enter heaven. Don't let anybody tell you, we all are God's children. And because of his love, he will not send anybody to Yael. Yes, his love does not want anybody to go to Yael. But the thing that he has given us is self-will. And self-will can disqualify you from heaven. Are you ready to meet your maker? Years ago, I, I, I stayed in El in Dorado Park, Johannesburg, and there was this Apostle Eden Constance. He had this big sign on his house that, that said from the book of Amos, Prepare to meet your God. Have you prepared to meet your God, is the question. Hallelujah! So Paul now is ready to meet his God. Are we ready to face the Lord? If you are ready to face the Lord, you don't need to fear judgment. If you are born again, you will not be judged again. Because in God's courts, there's no double jeopardy. Where are you ready to receive the crown of righteousness? that is God's reward for every faithful and righteous life? It's our incentive for faithfulness and holiness because we have held on to God? Now look at Paul. When we conclude Paul's life, because Paul loved the appearing of the Lord and looked for it, he lived righteously and served faithfully. That's why Paul used the return of Jesus Christ as the basis of his ambition Let's read 2 Timothy 4, verse 1. He used this as his ambition. He says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. So Paul was expecting, he's going to judge the living and the dead, but I am among the living. Because according to Jesus, when we receive him, we receive eternal life. So Paul knew he was one of the living and therefore he looked forward to the coming of the Lord. We are not called, many of us are not called to be apostles. We are not called to be in the fivefold, as I said earlier. But one thing that it is, we will all receive the same crown that Paul won when we fulfill what God has called us to do. And when we are above all, we need to be born again and then do what God has called us to do. If we love Christ and his appearing, Let us live in obedience to his will and do the work he has called us to do. We will be crowned with the crown of righteousness. Now today this message has blessed you. My prayers today that God will send his spirit in your life to transform you and to change you and to make you into a new creation. I release God's richest blessings upon your life and I pray that God will anoint you. I pray that today, if you are not born again, say this prayer. Now remember this, it's not about a prayer, it's about believing in your heart what Jesus Christ has done. This prayer is a confession, but the most important is faith in your heart. So say this with me today, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I believe that you died and that you rose again. I believe that you are the Son of God, and because of this, I am born again, washed with the blood in Jesus' name. This message has blessed you. We pray that you will connect with us. We've got a discipleship class that we would like to disciple nations. We pray that we can be be a benefit to you in the Kingdom of God to disciple you. And Pastor Ashwin, I pray that God will richly bless each and every one that listens to this message in Jesus' name. Amen.